All right, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I don't know about everyone else. I am tired. But somebody said something to me several years back. They said, you know what? You're going to be tired eventually anyway. You may as well be tired in the Lord's work. So it's good. It's good to be tired. It means you did something, hopefully. Hopefully it means you did something. You didn't just stay up late on your phone. All right, it's hard to believe Christmas is right around the corner. Um, it's been one of those seasons for my wife and I. We've yet to even decorate our tree. I feel like we're a, a Grinch this year, which I have been called a Grinch before. I love the time of Christmas. Sometimes it's hard to see because I have, as I have been told before also, I've been told I have the personality of oatmeal. <laughs> for whatever that means, I'll take it. Um, so I have been known to be a bit of a Grinch, but I do like the Christmas time of year. Um, and I mean, who doesn't like growing up, looking at the presents under the tree? Of course, I think my favorite thing was always looking at the odd-shaped presents, and you're trying to guess what in the world could be underneath that tree. And there was one specific time, and also, sorry, I have to let my brain catch up with my mouth. So I was told that every time I preach, I tell some sort of a story about how my brothers did something terrible to me, so I purposefully did not add any of those stories to my message tonight. This is all nice. My grandmother I might throw into the bus, but nobody else, not my brothers. But there was one specific present one year that my brother Jesse had underneath my grandparents' tree, and it was this long cylinder tube. And I remember, of course, as a preteen, the last thing you want is clothes. So when you see something like that, you're thinking, finally, this is going to be some epic present, and it for sure is not going to be closed. And then Christmas morning comes, and I mean, all the rest of us are on the edge of our seat, waiting for my brother to open this gift. And finally, the time comes for him to open up this gift. And my grandmother had found this long tube and had shoved a bunch of socks and stuff <laughs> inside of it just to throw us off. Um, but that was, that was an interesting present. Um, probably one of my favorite Christmas stories a few years ago, four years ago now, um, I bought my wife, which she would say, at least I hope she would, she better, was one of the biggest gifts that I had ever gotten for her. Um, it didn't come in a big package, wasn't in a strange package, it was in a tiny little package. Now at the time, she was my girlfriend, and if you haven't connected the dots, I got an engagement ring, and we got engaged a couple days before Christmas. So Christmas is a special time for me because that's the time when I was engaged. Now, when I took that engagement ring home, despite the fact that it seemed like I went bankrupt to get it, they didn't send it home in a huge box. They didn't send it home in a fancy bag. They sent it home in a tiny little package. But inside of that tiny little package was a tiny, and I do mean tiny, little ring. I thought they were going to start going into the negative sizes to get the right size for. But it was a tiny little package with a big gift because of how important it was. Now, the title of the message tonight is A Big Gift Wrapped in a Little Package. A Big Gift Wrapped in a Little Package. I love the Christmas story, and I love what it means, and I know that even uh, Christians sometimes can lose the meaning of Christmas, and I want to focus in on the Christmas story and some things that I have learned from it. So let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse number 8 is where we'll start. Verse number 8. The Bible says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the, multi- or with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, when you study out the Christmas story of Jesus' birth, it's a very big story. Without Christ coming to earth, we do not have salvation. You do not have the New Testament. Um, The Old Testament prophecies go unfulfilled. You have to have a coming Savior who is born. But such a big story is made up of a lot of just little things. Little things can make a very, very big difference. Um, About a week ago, I showed some of the elementary students in the academy how little things can make a big difference. For instance, you've probably seen this example before. It's one of my favorites. If you take this sentence, three simple words, let's eat, grandma. There is a small, little, seemingly insignificant comma that is in between the eat and the grandma that lets you know that there is some sort of a pause or a hesitation that is you saying, come on, grandma, we need to go eat. But if you do away with such a little tiny thing, then suddenly it becomes, let's eat grandma. That's not a very good scenario for grandma. It doesn't matter if she's old, tough, and salty. So with that, it shows the importance of the little details of life. Now, I have been told that I am OCD. I'm not as OCD as others. I just like to think that things should be done a certain way, and if they're not done a certain way, it just makes me cringe inside. But I like to pay attention to the little things, and I think we see that all throughout the Christmas story. You know, God is amazing. We can all agree on that. When you look at the big things that God has made, like the mountains and the sunset and the ocean, I stand in awe and I say, wow, look at that. Look at the beach. But what are all those big things? They're just a summation of tiny little things put together because that's how God works. God uses little things throughout the Christmas story if you're paying attention. He uses little tasks, little people, little places, little situations, little words, Seemingly insignificant, or what we would say, little men, little women. And in this story, when you read Luke chapter 2, you'll not really see anything that we would call big or important in our personal opinion. But if you take a little town of Bethlehem, a little lady named Mary, some shepherds, and God does something amazing in bringing us salvation. Now, God used a non-important little man by the name of Joseph, a little baby, And Jesus was born with very little fanfare, very little attention, but God wrapped the biggest gift ever given to man in a very little package. I was, I heard a story recently about Michelangelo, and I had heard the saying before, I didn't know where it came from. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you if the story is true, but I heard the story about Michelangelo, very famous painter, and he was working on this painting, and a friend stops in, and the friend says, hey, Um, I like the painting. I'm going to come back later, and I'm going to check on it. So days pass. The friend comes back, and he looks at the painting, and he doesn't see any change. And he says, hey, Michael, how come you stopped working on the painting, man? It looked good. What did you do? And Michelangelo just kind of gasped, and he said, what are you talking about? 
I've been working on it day and night. I've not slept. I've not stopped working on it. He's like, what do you, no, I don't see any advancement. There's no progress. There's no change. And Michael says, well, no, I, I worked on that earlobe. I painted a, a little bit on that finger. You see that wrinkle? I made sure that was just right. And the friend said, why do you spend so much time on the little things? To which Michelangelo replied, little things make perfection, and perfection is no little thing. There are little things throughout the Christmas story that I think make it the biggest story in history. And very quickly, that's what we're going to look at tonight. But first, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, everyone that is here. I pray that you would be with those who are out sick, Lord. pray that you would give them healing. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see how important the little things are to you. And Lord, I thank you for the little things in my life. I pray, Lord, that you would give me the strength, Lord, to uh, preach this message as you want it. Lord, touch hearts as you want. In your name we pray. Amen. The first point I want to look at is, number one, God uses little people. God uses little people. If you'll back up to verse number four, the Bible says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, when you look at the life of Joseph and Mary, there's nothing special to be seen about their life from a worldly standpoint. There were many big and wealthy men that lived in Palestine at this time. There were scholars, universities, there were political figures that were alive. There were business owners. There were wealthy tycoons in that area. There were military giants that lived in the time of Jesus' birth. But it was not the ear of the big, important people that got to hear the words, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. No, the angel didn't appear to the government leaders. The angel did not go to the elite the greatest story ever told was brought to little shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Little men, little common, everyday folks that I think are probably a lot like you and like me. An elite person was not chosen to carry the baby Jesus in her womb. It was not one of the fashionable ladies of Nazareth that was carrying the Christ child. It was not a society queen. It was not a female businesswoman. It was Mary, a poor girl from Nazareth. A little lady. She had little in way of possessions, little in way of notoriety, and God chose to use little Mary. You know, the most powerful men in town were not chosen to head up the same household that Jesus would be raised in. It was just a little man, if you will, named Joseph, who had a little carpenter shop, probably earned a little paycheck, a humble man with a little home. Just a common man, a little man in the eyes of society. But you know, folks, that's how it's always been in the Bible. God chooses to use the little people. Now, I'm going to read to you a verse that I, I like very much because it's always fascinated me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 28 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base. Things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. And you say, why would God do that? Why would God choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? Well, he tells us at the end of the verse, that no flesh should glory 
in his presence. You see, God takes little things because our God can take something little and make it magnificent. But if he uses big people, oftentimes they like to take credit for what God has done. But when God uses little people, little people know it was God who has done the work. God throughout history has chosen to use the common people. It was only a little boy named David who slew Goliath. God used a little man named Gideon to defeat the large Midianite army. Using an army that was even larger? No, an army of 300 men. It wasn't a West Point graduate who defeated the Midianite army. It was just a little guy named Gideon. But who was it that led the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt? Who was it that received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai? There's a poor little boy named Moses. Moses, who in the government's eyes wasn't even worth saving alive. Does that sound familiar? But because his mother put him in a basket, shoved him down the river, God said, I'm going to use that little boy to do a great work. Who was it that told Naaman where he could go to have healing from his leprosy? It wasn't the great preachers of the day. It wasn't some famous physician. It was just a little maiden. Who gave Jesus his lunch that would be used to feed the crowds of thousands? It wasn't the disciples. It wasn't uh, the over-planning, meticulous mothers in the crowd. It was just a little boy who gave up his lunch. God loves to use little people, and he did just that with the Christmas story. He said, let me show you what I can do with a little Mary. Just a little shepherd, a little carpenter. Not the famous, not the big shots, but the little people. You see, God wants to use you. God wants to use us. God rarely uses the big and the important people. Not that God can't, but God likes to get the glory. And it's usually the little people that when God does the work, they have to say, look what God has done. 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And Samuel said, when thou was little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed the king over Israel? You see, there was a time when King Saul was used of God. And when he was little, God could use him. But when he started to be a big shot in his own mind, that's whenever God had to say, mm, I'm sorry, Saul, but I can't use you anymore. Jesus Christ, the biggest president in history, came wrapped in such a little package. The whole Christmas story is just a lot of little things that God puts, us, puts together to give us the biggest gift of all. Number one, he uses little people. Number two, God uses little places. We sang this song tonight, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. You see, there were places in Palestine at that time with greater beauty. There were other places in the world that had more splendor. There were towns with more elaborate decorations. There were restaurants with finer cuisine. There were better places in the world that if we would have chosen, it would not have been Bethlehem. But Jesus came in a little manger in the little town of Bethlehem. You know, the Last Supper was not served in some great banquet hall. It was served in a borrowed room. Gideon was found working on a little hillside. Jesus was buried in a borrowed grave. David was found in a little field tending to a little flock of sheep. You see, God uses little places, and I think it's best seen in a little manger. You know, we have a bus ministry here. Uh, 
People have asked me what I like the most about the bus ministry. It's this. Because from little bus routes can come great people. God can use you. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what situation your life is in. You see, God is using for the little people in little places. God, what we often see as insignificant, God sees as important. That's why it's important that that little Sunday school class gets tended to as much as if there was 5,000 in it. That's why it's important that little churches, we understand, we say, oh, well, they must be doing something wrong. No, they're still going. There's got to be something right. From little churches, God has raised great Christians. Um, Many of you are probably familiar with the name Lee Robertson. I like his story. Lee Robertson grew up in English, Indiana. When he went to college, he walked to college because he didn't have a car to drive. All he owned was a suit that was given to him and a cow. And you say, well, what's the cow for? Well, he used that cow and he milked his way through Bible college, selling the milk from that cow so he could pay for it. A little old town, a little old cow, a little old fellow named Lee. And God used him to influence the world by building one of the greatest churches that America had at the time. From little homes, God has raised mighty servants. Mom, Dad, your job is important. It's important that your home, my home, is something that we can offer up to God and say, God, use my little home. You know, it doesn't matter where your last name is. It doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is that God can use your little home. I'm so glad. God looked down in Maximus, Texas. In a town that has more cows than people. And he looked out at the Jackson home and he said, I'm going to use you. And that little home got chose a little person in me to be with deaf. To work in uh, school with Yehus. <laughs> to work in the bus ministry. Don't forget that God chose to use you. There's nothing special about us. But God loves to use little people from little places. You don't have to have a big name. You don't have to have the best upbringing. God says, what little you have, just give it to me. And God can do a great big work. My prayer is that God would look at my little home. And every day as I pray, I say, God, use my family. God, look at my daughter. Use my daughter. Use me. Use my wife. In the Christmas story, God used little people in little places. Number three, God uses little things. God uses little things. Sorry, I told you I'm tired. The emotions come easier. In uh, verse 16, let's look at verse 16. It says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. God used a little manger, little swaddling clothes, a little stable. Jesus was not born in a hospital like you and me. Jesus was not born into a palace. There was no modern technology. Jesus had a stable. And yet God used that little stable to hold the Savior of the world. One little fish was used to feed thousands of people. Moses led the whole children of Israel, not with a golden scepter, but with a little old shepherd's staff. God called Moses out of a little burning bush. Jesus healed a blind man, not with modern medicine, but with a little spit and a little mud. You know what God wants? He wants you to look at the little things in your life. 
because God can use those little things. Tell you what, you want to have a good Christmas? Stop and look at the little things that God has given to you. Look at the little blessings. You say, Brother Jackson, I don't have much. To be honest, you don't need much because you've got a mighty big God. You say, I'd like to be used of God, but I don't have much to offer. Well, that's good because you're just the one that God is looking for. Psalm 37, 16, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. God's looking for those little things that will be used as he wants. We view our life through the constraints of money and time, things that God is not bound by. And God says, give me what you have, and I'll use it to do something great. You say, I'm not a big shot. Well, that's good, because I think God is just plain tired of people who consider themselves to be a big shot. You probably all heard the song, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Give God what you have. I promise God can use a little when he's in it. How do you build a great church? By everyone giving a little, giving what you got, doing what you can. How were the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt in the days of Nehemiah? By every family doing what they could to build a little portion of a wall. How will we reach our city for Christ? By everyone caring for the little things. God works miracles with just a little town, a little manger, and a little baby. Who would have thought that the Savior of the world would come in a six and seven pound package? It didn't come with some great illustrious man, but a little baby. But you know, great things are really just little things that are done in a great way. And everything that God does is good. Throughout the Christmas story, God uses little people, little places, little things. And lastly, God uses little tasks, little tasks. It wasn't every day that Jesus walked on the water. It wasn't every day that Jesus healed the blind. It's not every day that God calls down fire from heaven. But God uses little tasks all throughout Scripture, and he uses them to make some very big statements. You see, Jesus was crucified and put in a borrowed tomb. And if you read John chapter 20, it talks about them going to that little tomb three days later, and Jesus was gone, thank goodness. But his grave clothes were left. And there's a tiny little detail that if you're not paying attention, you'll miss. His clothes were folded. Now, to me, that teaches us of the great character of our God, that he would make his bed, despite the fact he wasn't ever going back to that grave. But it's a little detail. That's why we protect the purity of the Bible, because the little details matter. It's important that you cross your T's and dot your I's. It's important that every little word is a big detail. When people say, oh, come off it, is there really a big difference between the King James Bible and the New King James Bible? Yes, there's a big difference, because little things make a great big difference. Jesus made sure that John cared for his mother Mary before his death. What a little detail. What a big detail. You say, well, I don't know why my boss is on me to do this task just so. But God says there's importance in the little tasks. You say, I don't know why Pastor harps on and on about walking with God every day. I don't know why my parents get on to me to make sure I read my Bible and I pray. Well, because it's a little task that once repeated over and over again, it does a great big work. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the Bible is bigger than we are? Do you believe it's more capable than we are? Uh, 
I think this is the best way to explain it. Uh, I was teaching uh, the seniors about character. Obviously, they haven't caught on yet. I was teaching about character in the academy the other day, and I used the example, you've probably heard the story before. There's an old farmer, and a young man is working for this old farmer. And the old farmer tells the young man, he says, hey, take this dirty wicker basket, and I want you to run down to the creek, and I want you to fill it up with water and bring it back to me. And the young man looks at the wicker basket, and he says, are you kidding me? It's a wicker basket. He says, boy, just go do what I said. So he runs downhill to the creek side, and he fills it up, and he runs back up the hill, and by the time he gets up, there's hardly anything left. And he's like, I told you it was a lost cause. What's the point? He said, well, you didn't do it good enough. Try to run faster this time. Go, go, go. So the young man runs down to the river, and he dumps that basket in there, and he runs back up to the top as fast as he can. He gets back up there, and there's hardly anything left in the basket. And, of course, it's seeping out as he's standing there. And the old farmer says, well... Maybe you just need to run faster and get a little more water. Try again. And the young man, at this point, he's, he's pretty upset. And he's like, but I, it's not going to do any good. And he says, boy, just go do it again. So he runs down to the creek side, and he fills it up as much as he can, and then runs up the hill as fast as he can. And by the time he gets back to the old farmer, it's empty still. And he's complaining, and he's saying, it's no good. It's no use. I'll never get you a bucket of water with a wicker basket. And the old farmer says, maybe not. But look down at your basket. Before it was dirty, and now it's clean. You know, every time you go to the Bible and you go to the water of the Word of God, you might say, none of this is sticking. None of this is working. I don't even remember everything that I read. But when you read out of character and you read out of obedience, God is dipping you over and over into the water of the Word of God. And you may not realize it, but it's cleaning you up. It's helping you out. You cannot convince me that the word of God is not more powerful than our ability to comprehend what we're reading. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. And it doesn't mean it's not helping us. You see, the Bible is packed full of little things that are magnificent. And every time I read the Bible, I find a new little detail that I never noticed before. I find something new. I'm like, how did I never see that? Why? Because the Bible is full of little things. The Christmas story is packed full of little things, little tasks. You say, I'm just a little person with just a little responsibility. I'm just holding the door, just watching the nursery. I'm just the Sunday school teacher of a small class. I'm just a bus runner. No one would even know if I was gone. Whatever your job is, whether you think it's small or not, God places great importance on the little things. Do it well because God pays attention to the little. In 2004, UPS implemented a new policy in their company to try to save money. Their engineers developed a software program that would plan their delivery driver's routes to use as many right turns as possible. Now, there was reasons for that change. It wasn't just to make the delivery drivers upset. 61% of accidents at intersections were occurring when one of their drivers took a left turn as opposed to only 3% when they turned right. They reasoned that drivers would have less waiting time in comparison to turning left, which would also result in less fuel usage. Overall, they believed this would result in improved efficiency in delivering their packages and giving their customers the highest standard. Now, this created a lot of problems because their delivery drivers were used to their routes. 
They were used to doing what they did, and they said, no, I know how to get somewhere the fastest. And if you're getting there fast, then that means you're getting there with less fuel. So it caused a bit of a commotion. As a result, the UPS was able to plan their driver's routes with roughly 90% right turns. By repeating this little change with each delivery, over time, a very big change was achieved. In the first year alone, UPS saved 28.5 million miles driven. They saved 3 million gallons of fuel, and with fewer accidents, they salvaged 1,100 trucks in the first year alone. Just the reduction of fuel alone saved the company $9 million in the first year. Such a little detail, a little thing that over time became big. How do you make a big impact? You do the little things right. How do you lose weight? You start small. You make little changes here, little changes there. How do you form a habit? You do a little thing over and over and over again until it becomes a big part of your life. How do you grow as a Christian? You pay attention to the little things. Being nice to those around you is such a little thing, but you do it because we serve a mighty big God. Everyone is big, and everyone is important to God. Little expressions, a kind little note, a little word, a little act of love, a little thank you, those are big in God's eyes. What we think of as little is always big to God. Great big things are merely a series of little things that are done in a great way that when added together, they become great. You say, well, Brother Jackson, I would like to be a great big Christian. I'd like to be somebody who is strong. Then do even the littlest of things as if though it was a great big thing. The Christmas story is packed full of little things. You know, salvation is a wonderful thing. It's available to you. It's available to me. Did salvation come through a man the size of Goliath? No. Did salvation come through an esteemed person like King Solomon? No. It came through a little baby. Now, you say, you want to be a better Christian? Take care of the little things. You want to be a better parent? Take care of the little things. You want to be a better soul winner? Take care of the little things. You want to be a better Sunday school teacher? Take care of the little things. You want to do a great work for God? You have to take care of the little things. In the Christmas story, God shows us the importance of little people, little places, little things, and little tasks. This Christmas, don't forget that God wants to use the little things, and especially the little people like you and me, just like he did when he sent us a big gift, what I would say is the greatest gift of all, wrapped in a little package.